0: E
1: It's the 28th of April. It has been an insane morning for me. Um, I, I feel like the whole day has gone by and it's only noon. Uh, wow, it's, it's, it's Wednesday, right? Jeez, it feels like a whole day has gone by and it's just nonstop, <laughs> back to back and I'm supposed to be taking a, a, a time out I had booked to you know I I have let me let me share this with you so I was 19 I was somewhere in the Middle East and I was a little bit concerned of a situation and it was uh, evening time and I was very very nervous Uh, only because things didn't seem to line up and you know, it, it was my, uh, my, my my first time where I actually felt naked, not in regards to my clothes, but I, I felt like I didn't have any grasp on anything. I was kind of just floating along with all these other people. And I heard the front part of my hair, you know how they have people with this white tuft? What was it in Nightmare on Elm Street where that chick got that white tuft because she was, right? So... I if anybody I say this, I heard my hair change color. that's how um scared I was scared I don't want to say scared because it wasn't yeah, it was fear, I guess because you know when you feel like you're kind of just out there in the ether, right with targets all over you, um yeah, you feel it, and so anyway, I had booked four months ago to go get that white stuff done right because it adds it shows my age and I've got you know I maybe I should just go all silver and just own the gray hair I guess but um so anyway I'm supposed to be booked to go get my hair done and it seems like the world is just packing on so much work that I'm just never going to get it done, and I wanted to, to get it done, you know, it's Easter, I wanted to take nice pictures, um, but anyway, it's been it's been an insane morning, and it seems like it's like that across the world, right? <laughs> I mean, I even have white hairs on my eyebrows, no joke, no joke, I have white hair, like, I'm Gandalf, okay? Sansa Beer for now. I guess hormones, when the women go get that too, but hopefully that'll be gray so it doesn't show. But, um, you know, I feel like, you know, I've got, I've literally have white hairs in, yeah, let's just say the eyebrows at least. It's like super white, like anyway. Um, and that should be setting the tone for all of us. We feel like we've aged this month because there's so much going on and so much confusion and so much, rubbish. It, it, it is the most insane environment that we are in. Uh, we have people walking back comments. We have a wannabe administration that's really not administering shit. It's not doing anything. And it's it's all like anything that you say to criticize, you're a Trumper. And it's like, no, I'm an American and and this sucks. This completely sucks. Uh, supposedly today, the selected um, administration head, whoever that is, uh, is gonna be speaking, I mean, which version, uh, to Congress. I mean, the guy can't tie his shoe. He's gonna sit there and address Congress? This is ridiculous. <laughs> is it gonna be via video, edited and smoothed out with uh, you know a little bit of Photoshop there? This is so insane. Um, Biden is now nominating a Texas sheriff to lead ICE. This is, this is the most insane thing that has been happening. Federal contractors minimum wage is gonna be $15. It does stop. Federal contractors don't make less than $15. That is the stupidest statement I've ever heard. Unless you're a paper shredder or, you know, you're cleaner. I don't, there's not one federal contractor that makes less than $15 an hour, ever. They actually make a lot more money than anybody else would. These these are the things that are coming out of this insane selected administration. I I am not understanding it. Now they wanna increase refugee admission, why? Because you need more votes. Because now the census showed that we don't have that many people. Which should lead to question. If President Trump got about 70 million votes, and apparently Joe Biden did, that means over half our population that the census took is able to vote? That doesn't make sense. And that should mean that almost all registered voters voted think about it do the math we got the census right we're less so it's 330. so that half the population would be 150 million we had over 100 we had about 150 million voters so that would mean that that was a hundred percent of all registered voters voted think about it for a second i want you guys to think about it for a second just simple math it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense how that actually happened. Like what is going on here? Now, for those of you watching, I'm showing you the, uh, Mars live Rover camera so you guys can take a look at what happened before, how things change. So we have Tim Ryan from Ohio claiming that he's running for an Ohio Senate seat, Tim, you need to take a seat. That's not happening. We've got so much stuff happening that is rubbish and it's junk for the brain. Uh, Biden is being pushed to forgive student debt. I mean, I'm all game with it. It's not fair because we've all been paying, but I'm game with it. Let's forgive all of it. I still have some left. Whatever. Besides, it's not going to matter later. Money's going to be tipped on its head. Everything's going to change. In world politics, though, we have a sudden turn in how people are treating Turkey. First, it was with white glove treatment. Let them do what they want. We're not going to interrupt them. Now we have the EU chief slamming Turkey for being sexist. What? They're a Muslim nation. I mean,
2: what? (laughs) You guys, we have to listen to this. Recent incident to show that sexism is still a problem, even at the highest reaches of power. Ursula von der Leyen is the first female head of the European Commission. She was literally left standing. Take a look at this video. Left standing during a visit visit to Turkey early this month, um, while Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and European Council President Charles Michel sat in gilded chairs. Von der Leyen eventually was offered a seat on a nearby sofa Speaking to the European Parliament, she said that she felt hurt and alone.
3: I cannot find any justification for what I was treated in the European treaties. So I have to conclude that it happened because I am a woman.
1: Would this have happened if I had worn a suit and a tie? What the? No, it's because he doesn't respect the European Commission. But let's say, uh, you know, it's sexist, racist, or fatism, right? I'm fat, I'm a woman. And what's the other card? I'm not the right color, right? Listen to this. Hi,
3: in the pictures of previous meetings, I did not see any shortage of chairs, but then again, I did not see any women in these pictures, neither.
2: Would it have happened if I had worn a suit and tie? Well, Turkey has responded. They say that they reject any accusation that Bondeleyn was treated unfairly because of her gender. Joining us live now to dig deeper into this, are uh, Christian Amanpour. So uh, when you watch that video, Christiane, it is infuriating for anyone who has experienced discrimination, or even for those who haven't. But it's important to remember because context is really key when you look at this video, because this all comes at a time when Erdogan has pulled Turkey out of a key convention uh, that aims to protect women's rights. Walk us through.
1: All right. So, uh, first of all, very staunch Muslim nation. Women are not, you know, in the forefront. Let's make that clear. Second, he just doesn't like her. I would wish, I don't like Erdogan at all, but I would love it if he came out and said, I just don't like the European Commission and I don't like her. So, I'm not going to be nice to her. I think that's what it is. Because if they came to meet with me, let's say, those are the last people I would give a seat any time. I don't care if you're a woman, a man, identifies furniture, whatever you want to be, I wouldn't care, but look at what they're doing. Wait, it's a dog pile with all types of claims. Just pay attention.
4: Well, look, that's right. I mean, he did that before this uh, breach of protocol, if you like, with Ursula von der Leyen. Look, she has called out today everyday sexism. That happens all the time. And often, you know, when women are the only women in the room, as she said, she is the first female head of, you know, of the European Commission. And she said she expected to be treated as the president of the European Con- Commission. Now, what should have happened is that all three of them should have been sitting there in their gilded chairs. But it didn't happen. There were only two chairs. Obviously, Turkey is on the defensive now. It is pushing back, saying that it respects the rights of women. But you're absolutely right. Um, Late March, President Erdogan, his popularity flagging, his need to appeal to more conservative, more sort of Islamist-leaning voters, at home, he finally did what he had floated that he would do, and that is pull Turkey out of what's known as the Istanbul Convention. It is actually an international treaty that protects the rights of women and protects women from domestic and other violence. So this is part of the context, including the fact that Turkey under Erdogan has kind of succeeded in shifting the debate, the engagement with women from equality towards women to more traditional women's place in the home, in, in the family, etc., And this has created a backlash amongst Turkey's professional women, amongst the women in Turkey, who are used to growing up in a secular political environment and who are used, by and large, to having their rights, uh, their rights protected. But there's been an upsurge, and we've covered it on our program, in domestic violence and violence against women in Turkey itself.
2: Yeah, so women's rights in Turkey clearly under threat. Um, Erdogan, as I mentioned, has said that,
1: you know. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. Can we just call out the reality here? So Turkey is threatening, you know, the women's rights in Turkey are under threat. Like, is that news? I'm sorry. Is that news? Seriously? Is that news? Have they not seen how Erdogan executes? His authority under fanatic Islamic reign? I, I, I Let's just call it what it is. This is complete BS. And why? Well, you'll see the dogpiling because finally Biden decides to use that card against Erdogan. He's like, oh, I'm going to claim that this was genocide, which is true. It was. But why now? All this dogpiling on Turkey. Why now is the question. Why, why are they so hateful against Turkey suddenly, when
2: Turkey was their friend. No, this has nothing to do with sexism at all. When you look at the video, if it wasn't to do with sexism, then what was it to do with? Well,
4: as Erdogan he doesn't like herself her. said, the only conclusion that she could come to was because she was a woman. And, you know, Erdogan has said again that he wants Turkey to join the EU. You know, this has been a long, long struggle. They have not met the criteria, according to European leaders, for entrance into the EU. Their absolute respect of women is obviously one of them. Um, he has been making more friendly noises to the West since President Biden was elected. There was a huge amount of t- tension between Erdogan and uh, the West under President Trump, but that seemed to be, you know, going off the boil. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's kind of, you know, in this regard, Kind of shown some of the true colours, which certainly don't um, match what the EU want to see from Turkey. In fact, the Council of Europe loudly decried um, pulling out of the uh, Istanbul Convention and said that it just shows where Turkey's true colours are. But as I say, there has been a backlash in Turkey itself. The women there are incredibly strong. Certainly, you know the, the groups of professional women and others who who want to see their country respect their their rights as equal citizens
1: so fascinating so fascinating they're going to go into a muslim nation and change their culture and religion because it suits them but that's not the issue okay that is really not the issue the issue is that they're all ganging up on turkey and that's what's important that is what is important and not unfairly because i criticize turkey i think more than anyone Uh, but erdogan has decided and did decide that uh you know it's a little bit better to have sovereignty because that gives him the opportunity to gain back his ottoman empire that he wishes but you know he's anti-globalism i mean mean, it could be about the ever given never-green thing but here's another report where you know now we have the selected wannabe administration using their card at the same time it's almost as if they're all coordinated to find things to hate on about Turkey together, to put pressure. Take a listen to this.
5: The president is criticizing President Biden for officially recognizing the Armenian genocide.
1: Now let's be clear. The Armenian genocide is 100% real. Nobody talked about the Greek genocide, but the Armenian genocide is real and all the other genocides are real, all super real. Also, we could talk about the Roman genocides of those Two civilizations that were in existence, now extinct, and then the third one, extinct, called genocide. What we're seeing right now happening in many nations is genocide. But now Biden decides to recognize it when the Democrats have been refusing to do it for so long. At the same time, Turkey is gaining heat, not only from the European Commission, because they're refusing to comply, but from Qatar, too. And Qatar and... Uh, Turkey have been allies for a long time, but Turkey has now decided to swallow that hard pill about their Muslim Brotherhood friend out in Egypt that was assassinated to now line up with them and work with Israel. So there's a lot going on in the background and everyone's dogpiling on Turkey, not unwarranted, of course. The Armenian genocide is really real, but you have to think about timing.
5: At a cabinet meeting Monday, Recep Tayyip Erdogan said the U.S. should look in the mirror. He said the president took the wrong step and urged the two countries to look toward the future. Erdogan and Mr. Biden spoke on Friday. Reports say the call was tense. Turkey's foreign ministry even summoned the U.S. ambassador to the country to declare the president's statement was false. Mr. Biden is the first U.S. president to acknowledge the mass killing by the Ottoman Empire was an act of ethnic cleansing. Historians estimate the massacre, which occurred during the height of World War I, led to the death of between 600,000 to 1.5 million Armenians. Turkey denies the killings were a genocide. Hundreds came out in Beverly Hills to honor those victims during Armenian Remembrance Day this Saturday. The Los Angeles area is home to the largest population of ethnic Armenians outside of that country. In Yerevan, Armenia's capital, many cheered President Biden's decision. The leader of an Armenian political party said it was a promise fulfilled after more than a century.
6: We have had many promises in the past when they were candidates, but those promises were broken. Once the person became uh, the president of the United States, We are thankful that Joe Biden, in his first year after presidency, has already acknowledged the genocide, used the correct term, shared our sorrow, and also made an appeal to the world that such hate crimes, such crimes against humanity shouldn't be forgotten.
5: Hundreds came out in Beverly Hills to honor those victims during Armenian Remembrance Day this Saturday. The Los Angeles area is home to the largest population of ethnic Armenians outside of that country. I want to bring in Scott Lucas now. He's an editor of EA Worldview, which covers U.S. foreign policy and the Middle East. He's also a professor emeritus at the University of Birmingham and an associate professor at University College Dublin's Clinton Institute. Scott joins me now. (laughs)
1: So the Clinton Institute is going to talk to us about this. But I wanted to tell you something. You know, one of the biggest um, side pockets, you know, we talk about lobbies, right? There's lobbies. So there's like really rich people, the Koch brothers, Mercers, found jewels, all of them, right, that have a lot of money. But then we have the mobsters, right, the cartels, the Italian mafia. Do you know which one has the most influence in politics aside from the cartels? is the Armenian mafia. Do you know how much money they funneled into the Democrats this year? Oh, dear. You guys should take a look into the Armenian mafia, because we're going to be talking about that. Ah, they're bigger than any other mafia. You guys need to look into the Armenian mafia. We're going to talk about that. Not yet, though. I'm thinking like July, when all that stuff starts to bubble up to the surface. So just take a look at the Armenian mafia and look at all the money that they've been dropping. Oh, and they're all sequestered outside of Armenia in Los Angeles, of course. I want you again to pay attention and take a look at the Armenian mafia and see where their hands. Well, look at what pockets their hands are in.
5: Now from Birmingham, England, um, Professor Welcome, it's great to have you with us. So what is the Turkish government's official stance on the genocide? And why, you know a hundred years later, do they feel it necessary to come out so forcefully against President Biden's recent recognition?
7: The official stance, Tanya, not only of this government but of almost all Turkish governments has been that there were deaths on both sides when this happened in World War I, that this was a tragedy, that lives were lost. They would go further and say that it wasn't just the Ottoman Empire who killed Armenians, that Armenians killed Turks, for example. And they will quite often supplement that by saying there were a series of killings of Turkish uh, civilians and diplomats by Armenian activists in the 70s and the 80s. In other words, you know, the Armenians are not the only victims here. Uh, in terms of where they are right now with an issue, I think, first of all, for anyone to be labeled as being responsible for genocide, that's a stain on your reputation. And no government wants that. Certainly President Erdogan doesn't want that. Uh, and right now, you have to realize that while we're talking about the international dimensions of this, there is a domestic dimension in Turkey. President Erdogan is facing severe economic issues. He's facing a fairly complicated position regarding the opposition, including trying to crack down on some of them and put some of them in jail. He wants to try to carry as much support in Turkey despite this economic crisis. So he wants to play the nationalist card. It's not us who killed these Armenians or at least caused a genocide. It's the international community that's ganging up on us to make us the excuse for crimes that might have been committed by others.
5: So you bring up the situation within Turkey right now and the many challenges that the Erdogan administration is facing. Is there opposition within Turkey uh, in terms of how the co- the country should recognize its role in the massacre? A- and where do other nations stand on its acknowledgement?
7: Oh, you're, it's absolutely great that you bring up that, that Turkey is not just one country regarding this issue. So in the last 48 hours, the Ottoman government has moved very harshly, at least with rhetoric against uh, a party called the HDP. Now the HDP is a party that's linked to Turkey's Kurdish groups and other minority groups, And they do recognize the Armenian genocide. And they came out with a statement reinforcing that this week. And Erdogan's government came out and said, effectively, you're part of the problem here. Why is that part of a bigger issue? Because several leaders of this party, the pro-Kurdish HDP are in prison or under threat of being in prison because Erdogan is trying effectively to suppress them, despite the fact that they do have members in parliament.
5: Very, very interesting. Now, of course, we have seen the US relationship with Turkey fray in recent years. um, And we have seen Turkey turn to Russia in a variety of instances. So how does that dynamic, that triangle, play into this?
7: Well, from the standpoint of the Turkish government, with the economic issues it has, with the attempt of the Erdogan government to be a big player, not only in the Middle East, but in the Islamic world, They've tried to balance in a sense, Washington and Russia for some time. This goes back before the Biden administration, before the Trump administration, into the Obama administration. But while they're balancing, that doesn't mean they can go and swing towards Moscow if they feel upset with Biden over this recognition of Armenia. Because at the end of the day, Turkey has essential ties in its economic system with the US, with Western Europe. And of course, Turkey is a member of NATO. So I think the key thing that you said from Erdogan's statement there was not actually the criticism of the United States, but we look forward to better relations, which to me is a signal that in fact, Ankara is not gonna come in too harshly with action against the United States. It won't expel diplomats. Uh, I doubt it will have any other punitive measure against Washington. Instead, there'll be a bit of rhetoric. And then let's see where we can work together on other issues. And then we'll talk about Armenia for the near future.
5: Right, uh, very, very good point. So. What does President Biden's designation of the massacre as a genocide, though, tell you about how his administration in particular is approaching foreign policy, especially in that region of the world?
7: It tells me that the Biden administration is crossing lines that other administrations wouldn't, because other administrations will say, well, pragmatically, do we want to call it a genocide? That might jeopardize relations with the Turks. It might unsettle them. Here you have the Biden administration as it were calling this out and saying, let's see what the consequences are. We've seen this, by the way, with Russia, where they have not only, of course, expanded sanctions on Russia, but called out Russian actions. We've seen it with China in the fact that, despite they want, I think, to coexist with China, they are calling out issues like the human rights issue in Northwest China, in Xinjiang. Whether we see it with Saudi Arabia, calling out the Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Sultan, who has been found culpable of the killing of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi, we'll see. I think what you can say is is that the Biden administration is looking back on the Obama administration. And many of those officials came from there and said, we were too cautious. We were too cautious on Syria, Mm -hmm. where we didn't protect civilians. We were too cautious on statements about Armenia. We were too cautious, even with Russia and China. And we are not looking for confrontation, but we're also going to sort of establish the rules of the game and how we proceed next.
5: That's interesting, so you see this administration as in some ways learning from the mistakes or the half actions, perhaps, uh, of the Obama administration.
7: Oh, absolutely. Let's take the Armenia case for example. Uh, There was a former Obama administration in 2017 speaking to an Armenian-American activist who said, we got it wrong. We were on the wrong side of the issue. That American official was Anthony Blinken, who's now the Secretary of State. Mm. To take another case. Anthony Blinken said in 2019, we didn't get it right on Syria. We didn't protect the civilians when hundreds of thousands were killed, more than 90% of them by the Assad regime. We should have done more to protect them and we're paying the price of it. It doesn't mean that they can go back and undo what has happened in Syria. They can't undo certainly what has happened in Armenia, but I think it is an administration that's trying to look from a way forward where you prevent the next mistake. You don't walk into mass killings either because of inaction or ill-judged action.
5: And this administration is certainly not losing any time on moving forward on those those issues. Well, Professor Scott Lucas, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight. Thank you, Tanya.
1: So the Armenian Genocide is 100% real. That was genocide. The Ottoman Empire was well known for committing many, many genocides. The question you should ask yourself is, why? Now that we're moving in hard onto Russia with this fake administration trying to pick war, uh, the EU and the United States have taken a position to lock Turkey. This is how they take Erdogan out. And someone saw that. What I've said is that Erdogan will be taken out and then they will get rid of Putin. But Erdogan will be taken out without his will will not be taken out nicely. He will go out hard. So this faux, wannabe, self-appointed group of people, demagogues, right, have now decided to lock in Erdogan. This is dangerous. I'll tell you why it's dangerous. Erdogan had funded it on when we had put economic sanctions on which caused tension between the United States and Turkey because they were funding them through their own central bank. Now, Turkey has also funded and implemented schools and military training camps in the Horn of Africa with radicalized entities, such as those in Liberia, Somalia, and Kenya. So we, he's got a good footing in Africa on the more radicalized side of people. I mean, he went straight to the pirates. He's got, I did a whole show on that, on how he had a school. And we even had one of those schools in New Jersey that were all teachers that were former heads of Turkish government teaching children, which is bizarre, which means it was just a front of a school so that they can have their own assets. Kind of like how, Eric Holder's law firm has a basement with a skiff with a lot of Pakistanis transferring information back to ISI in Pakistan. I think it's a North or South Tower, which one? But it's in one of them. And in those buildings that they have as a firm, you know, we have the Muslim Brotherhood offices too, just saying. Uh, which happened to be founded and run by Huma Abedin's parents. But you know, those are just coincidences, of course. I want you to take focus and understand what's happening that no one is paying attention to. And this is, they're strong-arming that center of control. Turkey is a landmass that gives land access to the African continent. But it also is the access point to bring oil from the East and the Middle East to Europe and back and forth. Remember that big railway that China built? This is where it's happening. And this is where they want a strong arm control. And this is not going to turn out in the United States' favor if it continues such. And now we're seeing alliances form where you never expected it. Alliances and backings. I mean, would you ever think that Turkey was going to align with Egypt? No. But now we're also seeing That there were Chinese nationals that were sentenced to jail in Chicago for money laundering, well, for moving money to Mexican cartels. Now, why would the Chinese be involved in drugs? I want you to think about that because that's not something that they do, but they have, they have. And so a district judge actually sentenced a 51 year old Chinese national for over half a million dollars in illicit drug proceeds to be collected in Chicago in 2018. That money was supposed to be transferred to drug traffickers in Mexico through various bank accounts in China. How weird. And we had undercover law enforcement under President Trump, that caught him. Now, where do we know there's a good connection of drugs, China, and money? (laughs) That's right, the Biden family. So this is something that is making them very, very uncomfortable. There are deals between the heads of China's Communist Party, right, And there are big money laundering operations that are in Mexico that are using cartels to funnel this. Again, these mobs and these cartels really own everything. Blackmail upon blackmail. It's like an onion. The more you peel, it just gets rotten as you go to the car. That's what happens. Aiding and abetting crimes. That's what we're seeing here. And this administration is not a stranger to it. This fake administration, let's make that clear. Because if they try to get Kamala Harris to take his spot, we should deny that spot. Why? Because of her connections with the cartels. So what us as citizens should be doing, especially those that are in California right now, is dig up every single thing you can find. Of her cases with cartels because there are connections tons of that tons 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 of connections with the cartels she was the ag of california where we have the most rampant activities of cartels that's right in california so you have to remember this is how it goes down now while they're strong-arming Uh, you know, the whole uh, Turkish block right there, they are brainwashing our military members. And the majority of them, I'm going to tell you, lots of officers are in complete dismay. Now you're not supposed to take orders. Now if someone gives you an order and it's too aggressive, like, hey, go get me a paper clip across the base. Double time, they'll start crying and claim that it's harassment, right? These are the types of soldiers we're churning out under faux administrations and administrations that are purposely fake administrations, self-proclaimed regimes, right, that are purposely trying to diminish our military. Well, it doesn't stop there. We've got critical race baiting in the military now, too.
8: Across America, parents are outraged, seeing their children forced to learn the hate whitey program called critical race theory. Here's the worst part. You're all forced to fund this racism. But CRT isn't only infecting government-run schools. Reports indicate it's infecting the military, too. Joining me now to discuss is retired U.S. Army veteran, Packham Solutions CEO and founder and Newsmax columnist, Corey Mills. Mr. Mills, always great to see you. This is something that's not talked a lot about right now. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton recently introduced legislation to fully ban critical race theory from the military, saying there's no place in America's military for teaching racism against any skin color. Now, we here on this show, we've been hearing from active duty and reserve folks who say this is cancerous, sowing divisions among our military folks. What have you heard?
9: Well, again, I'm, I have to agree with Senator Cotton. Again, you know, when I served the you know United States military, and I was part of a Joint Special Operations Command. You know, we didn't look at what color, what state, or what actual political affiliation you had. We were all brothers to the left and right. We all served the same purpose, and that was to bring each other home. So this idea that, you know, this critical race theory or the idea that racism is is so prevalent in the military, I I just didn't see it. And it's funny that a lot of the people who are actually trying to push this are people who never served a single day in uniform. So, again, this to me seems like it's political rhetoric utilized to divide the nation as they continue to do utilizing race baiting and other things to try and get votes. And again, politics has no business in the U.S. military.
8: Now, staying with our military and the National Guard in particular, in California, a new report says, and we just had Congressman Tom McClintock on saying that he would be very careful with this, but the reporting out there says that back in March of 2020, the state's National Guard awaited orders from their headquarters in Sacramento to make preparations for protests related to the China virus pandemic lockdowns. And that Governor Gavin Newsom, Socialist Democrat out there, reportedly placed an F-15C fighter jet on alert status for a possible domestic mission to quell protests against his draconian orders. If true, and I have to premise this, if true, this is chilling.
9: Well, absolutely. I mean, again, the despotism of, of states like California, where they want this totalitarian authority, You know, we see this left and right. That's why the new census that came out, you know, added seats to places like Texas and Florida because people are trying to escape that totalitarian authoritarian government of Newsom and Cuomo and all the rest. Look, when I was overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan and there was large explosions where we'd have a team hit with an IED, we used to utilize Little Birds and others to go ahead and hover in low to try and disperse the groups. But that was overseas in a war and conflict zone not to be utilized against American citizens. So, again, if this is found to be true, it's exceptionally disturbing.
8: Want to get your reaction to a story unfolding about Biden's current climate witch doctor and former Secretary of State under the Biden administration, the Obama-Biden administration, John Kerry. He's alleged to have revealed secrets entrusted to the United States by Israel. Kerry leaked to the number one state sponsor of terrorism, Iran. Again, chilling here too, right?
9: Absolutely. Again, we know Iran is the largest state sponsor of terror. We know they continue to fund their proxy militias. And again, that was supported heavily by Resolution 2231, the JCPOA, you know, the brainchild under the current, uh, you know, Secretary of State and the Obama 1.0. We're now in the Obama 2.0 era. But again, whenever Secretary Kerry says, oh, I didn't do this or this is completely false. It makes me go back to the time when all the swift boat vets came forward and also disprove one of his discussions and one of his things there. So John Kerry doesn't exactly have the best record when it comes to integrity.
10: Yeah.
8: And telling the truth. I want to switch gears. You, you tweeted about the border, quote, I'm calling on Joe Biden to declare a national emergency on our southern border now. Out of all the crises Biden has created on the border, which one worries you the most?
9: Well, certainly this one worries me the most. I mean, we just caught two Yemeni uh, men trying to cross the border who was on the terrorist watch list. We know that there's human rights violations going on. Uh, Kat, uh, Representative Kat Kamen just talked about a nine-year-old girl who had lost her voice because she was being gang raped by the cartel's forms of payment. We see the drugs that are coming into communities like here in Florida. We're destroying the communities, destroying the nuclear family. And we certainly are seeing—we're taxpayer money, 87 million dollars going towards hotels, 352 dollars a day for 81,000 migrants while our National Guard sleeps in a parking garage. Again, this America Last agenda—this idea that they're going to bring in millions from the borders so they can go ahead and do a, a pathway to citizenship expedited, or no voter ID to go ahead and cancel out the American voice. This is a national security issue on many levels, and this is an emergency that needs to be dealt with immediately.
8: By the way, I—I I noticed the shave. Uh, And could that be because you had a meeting with the former president there at Mar-a-Lago and and, and what can you tell us about the meeting?
9: Well, first off, it was a gathering to try and support Senator Mo Brooks. He's a phenomenal guy. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to talk to the president about my congressional run here in the 7th District of Florida. Uh, It was great to be able to meet with the president who appointed me uh, to the DOE as one of the the, uh, advisors to, to one of the boards there. So. Uh, to be able to thank him in person again to be able to try and solicit some of his support for the run uh, and to again bring back an american first agenda what's a better honor than the president looking at you and said i know this guy
11: right
8: on right on Corey mills thank you for the service of the country appreciate the time as always here on the chris Salcedo show
1: now we're going to get into retribution and timing so rudy giuliani has just been raided right he was raided and apparently his apartment was raided in regards to his activities in 2019. And this is a little bit more complicated because this falls into the whole Cambridge Analytica, the Mercers, the 5G. There is so much coming out. And so they raided his apartment um, today, uh, executing a warrant to see what connections he had with the Ukraine. And basically... The issue that they have is that, you know, he was he supposed to be registered as a foreign agent under the FARA Act that stipulates that American citizens must notify the Justice Department of any contacts they have with foreign governments and officials if they interact with the U.S. government or media at the direction of those officials? Oh, wait a minute. Should we now hunt down Hunter? Because there's a shit ton of evidence showing that he was colluding. And not only that, I have evidence that not only did he work with many foreign governments, but he also was asked to do favors, favors ranging from can this guy get slotted into a position by your dad to, Hey, so-and-so's kid wants to go to school in America. Can you make that happen? See. This is all going to come into their face. Now, now I realize why all these obstacles were happening while I was putting this article together about asking, has Hunter Biden registered as, you know, has he registered under the Farrah Act? Oh, dear. And I was like, I'm tired. I'm this. I don't have time. Well, now I know why. It's got to be relevant. And here's the relevance. You're going after Rudy because he went and found all the dirt that you guys were doing in Ukraine? Huh. And it's not news. Well, then, I guess we need to go after Hunter then because seems kind of odd how he was negotiating with multiple foreign governments and included his dad in those communications who is now pretending to be president. Oh, oh, oh. this is a problem. It's a very big problem, but there's also a problem when the faux administration is now targeting, targeting American citizens. So let me, let me find this. There's a clip you guys really, really need to watch. Trying to find it. There we go. I want you guys to listen to this taxes. I told you that they're coming after everyone for tax evasion and taxes and tax. And, you know, this is going to be actually my first year filing taxes by myself. Um, I mean, I tried to last year, didn't have much to do. Um, It was kind of like up in the air for me in 2019, right? So um, I've been saving up so that I can pay someone to actually do it for me because this is where it comes down to it. Everyone's being audited. Now you have to see how that's being weaponized. Once again.
12: Welcome back. President Biden is proposing a plan that would give the IRS an extra $80 billion. and would help the agency crack down on tax evasion over the next 10 years. This is according to a story in the New York Times. The funds would be used to target high-income earners and large corporations. The administration plans to use the revenge brought in by that from. New taxes to cover the cost of his American family plan. The plan is expected to cost at least $1.5 trillion. and would include universal pre-K, federal paid leave and free community college, and much more, all the goodies. This is in addition to the $2.3 trillion infrastructure package that Democrats are also trying to push through with zero Republican support. And joining us now to discuss this, retired Marine gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff, also back with us, Democratic strategist, Robin Biro and RNC spokesperson, Paris Denard. You know, guys. In the time that I read that story, you know, Biden proposing eighty billion dollars to give to the IRS. I think I just heard Paris eighty billion dollars of uh, money move off, moved offshore, and other accounts. That's what that's what happens, right? They they come after the rich people. By the, by, the chance by the time they do it, the money's already gone.
13: Joe Biden's Robin Hood uh, policies of trying to take from the rich to help the poor isn't going to actually help the poor because or or less advantaged uh, people because what we need to do is actually create systems and create ways of economic development, free enterprise and commerce and jobs and and growth uh, in the economy so that uh, people can can rise and can have greater wealth and and save money and to be uh, achieving their own form of the American dream. That's what President Trump and congressional Republicans were doing with their policies. That's what deregulation was all about. That's what tax cuts were all about. But now what Biden wants to do is just tax uh, corporations and make them less competitive globally. He wants to give the R- the IRS uh, money to go after them when he should be focused on taking funds away from the IRS because hopefully we don't need an IRS because we don't want them to continue to tax tax and, and have a system that just taxes, taxes when you're born, taxes when you're married, taxes when you die. That's all they want to do is tax and spend. We've got to change the philosophy. We've got to change the way government works. And the only way to do that is to elect common sense, free enterprise focused America first type of Republicans in 2022 so that we can take back the House and the Senate.
12: Do you think, Robin, this is really about paying for this plan? I mean, it seems impossible to pay for this stuff. Or is it really just about sending a message that they're just trying to stick it to the wealthy?
14: Ooh, that's a tough
12: question, John. I, would, I really hope that this is sincerely trying to pay for the
14: plan because I'm, I'm a deficit hawk. I'm one of the few deficit hawks on the left, I've been jumping up and down about this for years. My kids will be inheriting about $220,000 a piece of our national deficit. Uh, So look, if we go after tax, tax evaders, tax cheats, I'm okay with that. I'm uh, I'm not okay with corporations that don't pay any tax, like Amazon, for example, they need to pay their fair share. So I hope that this is in the spirit
12: of of what the intent is, John. Yeah, because when you when you say tax cheats, what most people think about are guys like Jeff Bezos, even though he's not technically cheating on his taxes, he's just ha- he just has the army uh, Jesse of attorneys and tax accountants that know how to play play this game. So what you have here is a system where you have wealthy people with their accountants and their lawyers. Uh, and their tax avoiders, helping them legally avoid these, you know, tax plans that people like Joe Biden put in place. And what we see happening is this money just disappears. It evaporates and goes to Ireland or to the Cayman Islands or other places where there are not the same kind of implications when it comes to taxes.
3: Yes. Uh, President Trump even ran on that messaging when he was being criticized for his taxes. He said, everything I did was legal. That's why you need to have me in White House so that we can reform our tax code. We need to make adjustments to this. But you know, this is just going to revitalize the taxed enough already crowd, the Tea Party, because essentially you're only implicating those that don't have the resources to have the big name attorneys. Right now, we have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. I believe it's up to 28%. This is higher than China. There's a problem with that. Taxing more does not necessarily mean you're spending the money wisely. With all of this excess and surplus spending, how about making the genuine cuts that we need to make so that we're not going into debt and deficit as Robin stated with the children that are gonna be inheriting all of it. And all of us are inheriting it and paying it now. This is just spending uh, animal, mineral, vegetable, the Democrats will tax it. It doesn't matter if it's living or dead, they will tax it. That is not the answer to your solutions. If they're held accountable on how they spend our tax dollars, maybe we would see some reform in this country, but trying to go scoop up more money without making the rules so that we are business friendly and people bring their businesses back to the United States, you're just driving businesses away and it's gonna just get covered up.
12: There are two questions that Democrats like to ask and the answer is always yes. Number one, is it infrastructure? Yes. Number two, can we tax it? Yes. They love those two uh, questions and answers. All right, uh, let's go to John Kerry. He is now denying that he divulged classified information to Iran. Several leaked audio recordings captured. The Iranian Foreign Minister, Minister Javad Zarif, stating that Kerry told him that Israel had targeted Iranian forces inside Syria. Uh, Who do we believe here, the New York Times or John Kerry, Paris? I think we need to have a serious
13: investigation. And if it's proven that he did this, he needs to go.
12: Yeah. What do you think, Robin?
14: investigate uh but as i as i said before these inv- these allegations we already knew this intelligence a long time ago
12: so does does that make it less of a big deal i mean
14: this this was buried- no, it's still in- a problem but yeah. this was obama administration it doesn't affect his
12: uh, his job as climates are right now and how, explain to me how it doesn't affect his job he has
1: wait a minute did you guys hear that excuse oh that happened during the obama administration so it doesn't count that he violated the logan act back then, so he could do his climate SAR thing.
12: The seat on the National Security Council, Robin, and, you know, he is now exposed. I can can do that because, as I said, this information was widely
14: reported in the press and the media. We all knew this. There were 200 strikes, so this was not news, although the prime minister at the time made it seem like this was news to him. This was widely reported in the news. I don't, if he never watched television, maybe it was news to him, but I don't believe it.
1: So the question is, he's saying what I've been saying that they're recycling the news, and I knew this last year that they're going to do it now because they were going to come in with the new fear, which is climate change, and who was always at the spearhead of it? That's right, John Kerry. It,
12: well, you know, when you when you I don't speak Farsi, Jesse, I'd have to get a you know translation here, but when you read the transcripts of what what was stated. You know, again, it's Javad Zarif, so you take it for a grain of salt. But the way he's talking about John Kerry, divulging this type of information, you know, there are a lot of Republicans who say John Kerry cannot continue in this capacity given how much stock the Biden administration puts in this climate policy as it relates to national security. He is the climate czar, right? But he's also in the National Security Council.
1: Not only that, we have pictures of him in Paris meeting with Iranians during the Trump administration again. Big issue, big issue. But, you know, it happened during the Obama administration. No, it continued and it perpetuated. And now you're going to see where he's going and you're going to see how they're going to bring this fear on. And then one has to wonder. So the Iranians said this back in the day. Everyone's like, well, it happened a long time ago and nobody did anything. So let's just get over it. No, we're not going over it.
3: He knows nothing about the climate, as you had stated in your monologue earlier in the show. And you also indicated that he is no foe of our national security. He is for a war before he was against a war and vice versa. But when you look at this coming out of Iran, it tells me that they're letting everybody know he is owned by the Iranians. That's what the impression is given.
12: Yeah, you know, I don't know about if he's owned by the Iranians or not, but they were so desperate to get the Iranian nuclear deal. What were they willing to give up to get it? This Another reminder of that. Jesse Robin Paris, thank you guys.
1: All right, guys, I'm going to get myself some coffee, grab myself a cigarette. In the meantime, let's listen to some smooth Russian jazz uh, while we fill up our coffee cups. So I will see you in a few minutes. Well, come back everyone. So I hope you like the smooth Russian jazz uh, and you know, the background view of uh, Mars. (laughs) So let's see how this is evolving today. But first let's start on a great note. So in Arizona, we had parents do exactly what we've been talking about. They took charge of their local community. They took charge of their school board and they removed them. They removed them. They said, you know what? You're not gonna tell us how and what. You're not, this isn't a dictatorship. We elected you to do things. I'm gonna play part of this video because this is quite important for you guys to listen to how they were treated and what was being said. Where's the volume here? Is it on? I'm not seeing it on. Hmm, let me see if I can take it to to Rumble. I can. So let me just swap the screens there and then we'll go back. Give me a second. Let me get that. Cuz there was no volume. Oh, there's ads too. Go figure. Get that.
12: All right. Here we go. So agenda new board members how many do we need four is there five. four or five,
15: yeah, I five, five. Be Three. No. Three. Did, Well, not i hear they've I all heard. resigned
9: i
13: hear they've all resigned i
15: tell you what i will freaking do whatever position you want me to do, yeah. okay.
0: I have, I'll do it.
13: anyone want to nominate someone for school board I
0: okay have we have one right here everybody I recognize what is it? It? what's your nominate? name
6: what's your name Bill.
3: Bill Remick right. right. has been nominated. Who seconds it? I, seconds. I second it! I think there's a second. Do we pass?
2: Anyone? Yeah, say aye. Anyone, I, I, anyone say aye. Aye! No. Opposed!
0: Somebody get Kelly.
12: Okay. All right. We
0: have now, I nominate Kelly. Or no.
12: Somebody in district nominate her. Somebody
0: has to get You have to be in district. I can't can. I mean in district. Can. I can. I'm Are you just district? Casey? Crazy.
11: Okay
16: we, we, have, we have a difference
11: Sanders. Sanders. Right here. Right here. Are you want to right. Okay. Cindy Sanders. Come on up. Name. What's your name?
0: It's
12: Stacy Olinger. Stacy Olinger. Do we have a second?
0: Oh, I'm I'm second? second.
12: Second in district. All right.
0: Listen, hey. my number. All those
12: All those in favor? Aye. Oppose? all right we got like two days we got two all right what was your name all right perfect we got two we
3: have so this two.
12: is robert Wilson. of quiet. quiet right there angelica Hemming okay who nominates her i second are you in bail yeah. yes all right what was your name
3: angelica
12: hemmy all right i second. angelica we got a second all right all those in favor of aye. aye opposed <laughs>
1: All right. Did you guys? (laughs) That's three. So they just got their school board members. And I'm going to tell you how this all transpired. Okay. So I'm going to tell you how this all transpired. Uh, They went to a school board meeting. I'm trying to see if I can find that um, specific video. And it's just not coming up for me. Uh, Basically, they went to a school board meeting. They were confronted, right, uh, with the school board they wanted to get the man the mask mandate ended for their kids. And so what happened was the guy who's chairman of the GOP stood there and they were so frantic that all these parents turned up to this public open meeting. And they said, listen, if you don't have this meeting, they're like meetings adjourned. They were like, you didn't even call the meeting. How are you doing? Because we feel like it. They're like, there's open laws. We're going to get this done. You don't like it? We'll remove you. They're like you can't. They walked out. They even brought sheriffs, and the sheriffs put their hands on the actual parents to tell them to get out, to tell them to get off public school premises that they pay for because they wanted to remove it. And this is from this is the Vale School Board. They fled, so they were like, you know what? We don't need you. We're the parents. We're electing people. You're out. Let's all do this right now. See, this is the power of the people. This is how you take back power. You don't let anyone sit there. I mean, the smug face he had, and I've been looking for that video, gosh darn it, to show it to you guys. Smug face, smug face, where they were sitting there, the school board members, that they're in charge, and you need to sit down and pay attention. And the other guy there was kind of, Just relaxing. And he's GOP chair. Not anymore. They're going to remove him from there, too. The sheriffs came in, and they're like, they can't do this. There's open meeting laws, right? That's against the law in our state. They can't tell us that they're not going to have an open meeting, and now we all turn up, and they're like, we're leaving. You know what they're scared of? You. They're scared of the people taking power. That's what they're scared of. And they ran like crazy yeah gop chairperson that's what it was one was a gop chairperson and he did that gop chairperson i'm looking for that video you guys and i can't seem to find it i had it lined up i think oh man i must have misplaced it i could have sworn i saved it i'm so upset with myself for not saving it um, in a place where i can find it for you but this is how you take control. There is no one more powerful than the people, and that is what they fear. And this is why it's so important that you organize. President Trump has said it. The one thing the left has got over us is that they organize, and we don't. People have resulted to doing memes and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, what? Arizona is really hitting it up for us, and you know, coming out of the desert. That's pretty badass. I think uh, the Tory Says Group, Arizona, has it. I'm going to look for it over there because I, I you guys need to hear it. You need to hear how it went. The news were there. Hold on. Is this it? Yeah, it is. All right, perfect. I think I found it. I think I found the news report for it. So this will be interesting for you guys to see. This is how people organize correctly. They rallied up to get the mask mandates removed and they were pretty much told you have no power and so guess what they did they used their loss they used what they had at their disposal to get it done so let's um let's 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 do this let's watch this give me a second
17: here we go. Center. About 100 parents rallied last night for the district to drop the mask mandate
8: at the schools. But as nine on your side's Luz Delia Caballero reports this morning, the school board only made it halfway through when parents pushed their way into the room, refusing to wear masks.
15: Well, that meeting was set to start at 7 p.m. and clearly that did not happen. Instead, the sheriff's department worked to clear that building for more than an hour.
0: You to oath to defend the Constitution. Those are our children that are dying. Please, do what's right. Let our
18: voices be heard.
15: At around 7.10, you hear parents demanding their voices and the voices of their kids be heard. I'm probably going to keep going at you because telling, I want it. them to hear. But let's go back to around 6 o'clock. Parents and self-proclaimed freedom fighters are protesting peacefully with signs, asking for masks to at least be optional.
12: From what I've seen, these parents aren't going to take no for an answer, and I don't blame them. I believe state law is on their side.
0: Parents have the right to make the choice. That is the statute. ARS 1-601 is parental rights to control what their children are doing. Totally against it. I think they need to
1: have the option. I think it's a parent's right. Uh, not the school district, not the government,
15: not anybody else but the parents to have the say over the children and what they do and their bodies and their health. We also spoke to a parent who supports mask usage inside school grounds.
19: By maintaining masks, make sure we don't have an outbreak. We already have a shortage of teachers in Arizona as a whole. So we keeping our teachers safe and still getting our kids back.
1: Okay, for those of you watching, what did he put? Oil on his beard? This is so weird. That's more unhygienic than his mask that's loosely on. It's cool. And while
15: parents and students
1: gathered outside
15: of the Vail Education Center with signs waiting for the meeting to start, Kagan Nine spoke to a board member about whether the board could actually vote to change the mask mandate Tuesday evening.
2: The mitigation strategies are on our agenda as a inform item um, it is not an item designated for action tonight which it would need to be an action item in order for us to vote on
15: clock hits 6 20 parents start walking in without masks quickly exceeding capacity kega nine walked inside and heard the superintendent say the meeting was canceled
6: The meeting you never started we have adjourned the study session and I'm okay right. so what, what i'm you telling to... you is you're asked you're
12: being asked to leave okay so okay. what time is the leave? open so, meeting so, so please leave now. What time's the open meeting start? Please, leave. No, no, I'm asking you a question. You're an elected, you work for the people, what time's the meeting start?
15: Protesters did not That's leave the meeting until 7 p.m., which is the time a sergeant with the sheriff's department set for them to go. So, okay, well, Can you give us
19: so, seven minutes? Seven. I will give you seven minutes. Seven. Okay, thank
15: you. Once they walked out, our crew followed and was met with this. Eventually, a deputy agrees to escort a parent into the meeting room to negotiate a peaceful end to the rally so that they can leave.
7: I will ask if this small group can go in and maybe we work something out, Even but we cannot. We cannot be over talking at one time and making a chaos out of this. Let's do it orderly. They we do we if they will, now here's the Sorry. caveat. If they them. say no, we do it another That's time. What? Everybody understand?
20: Yeah. We what? cannot what? do this all night.
1: If they say no, we do it another time. Ah, ta, 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 ta. So there was a video that I was watching, um, well, listening to while I was doing other things this morning. <laughs> and, um, you know, the guy met with the sheriff. He's like, your, your sheriff was elected by us. You have more power than all of them. You're supposed to enforce the law. This is illegal, what they're doing. So they had to negotiate because they knew that they're on the chopping block. Well, you know, as you saw, the result was they removed all of them. And that's the way it happens. You have the power, they don't. You need to harness that power. You need to take control of the power. That's how it works. Let's see what the media put out.
15: The district and the board allowed five students to speak. Each one walked in with a parent. Two board members left, leaving three others and the superintendent to listen to the parents without violating open meeting laws. And media was not allowed in. Lustelia
1: Caballero, Kagan 9 on your side. Well looks like they're going to be having a problem now because they just removed everyone. And that is exactly what people need to be doing. They need to be removing the people that don't do their job. So after the school board decided they're going to leave, right? And one of them was GOP chairman too, which is so, (laughs) whatever, they voted in their own people. And that's the way you do things. That's how you get things done, by taking power back. That's how you do it. Because if you don't, then you just wait for them to tell you what you're allowed to do. Kind of like how fully vaccinated people don't need to wear masks outdoors. That's so weird. How do you know if they're fully vaccinated? I guess all of us are going to say, I'm fully vaccinated. Where's your card? That's a HIPAA violation. Thanks. Hence the COVID passports creeping up really quick. Are you doing what you need to do in your city, in your state to make sure that COVID passports are illegal, not only in state and federal
0: buildings, but private companies too. You have to pound on that. More we've rolled out vaccines, the more mask policies have eased up. Now the CDC is giving vaccinated people more opportunities to keep the mask off. NTD's Miguel Moreno has that story.
18: The CDC is relaxing its guidelines, giving Americans more room to breathe easily. Vaccinated people can now have small and medium-sized outdoor gatherings without masks. The CDC says it's safe, but its director didn't define small or medium-sized gatherings.
0: The, what I'll get back to is the basic concepts, because if we define a small and medium-sized gathering, we actually also have to define the size of the space that it's in, the um, ventilation that is occurring, the space between people. And so we're. we're um, I think we should get back to the, the general concepts
18: And if one person in the group is vaccine free, don't worry. No need to mask up. Other than that, masks are still recommended for everyone, vaccinated or not, indoors and at crowded outdoor events. The CDC didn't say how states should enforce this or how law enforcement will know who's vaccinated or not. Michigan, meanwhile, has extended their statewide mask mandate and they've expanded it to even younger children. Originally five and up, now two to four year olds will have to mask up in public, including preschools, daycares, and camps. The Michigan governor says the expansion is her response to rising infections among young Michiganders. This will be in effect until at least late May. Now, President Biden says he has spoken with Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi about sending vaccines but he implied that the US would need enough for itself before giving India a hand.
6: I've discussed with him when we'll be able to send actual vaccines to India, which would be my intention to do. The problem is right now we have to make sure we have other vaccines like Novavax and others coming on probably. And I think we'll be in a position to be able to share.
18: The CEO of Novavax, a US drug company, told CNBC that they expect their vaccine to be cleared for emergency use by May. India recorded more than 320,000 new cases of COVID-19 on Tuesday. This is less than what was reported on Monday, breaking their five-day streak of record-breaking case numbers.
1: Okay, so I have a lot of Indian listeners. I actually correspond um, with a few of them. I'll tell you, this is all vs. They're all wearing masks. Uh, None of them are dying out on the street. I think I mentioned how there was a gas leak and they said that it was, uh, you know, COVID, people dying in the street. You just have to wonder, what is vaccine code for? I'm sending them vaccines. What is it code for?
18: Other countries such as France and the UK are already sending medical supplies to India. Steph, I'll toss it back to you.
0: Thanks, Miguel. And former Secretary of State John Kerry is accused of leaking information about a US ally to Iran. Kerry's now facing increasing pressure to step down. He denied the accusation Monday.
21: The New York Times reported on April 25th that John Kerry told Iran's foreign minister Israel had attacked Iran's interest in Syria at least 200 times. This came from an alleged leaked tape of a conversation that supposedly took place when Kerry was President Obama's Secretary of State. But Kerry denied the allegations. He tweeted on Monday, This never happened, either when I was Secretary of State or since. Kerry is facing calls from Republicans to step down from his post as a U.S. Special Envoy for climate change. Former U.S. Ambassador to the United States Nikki Haley posted on Twitter, This is disgusting on many levels. Biden and Kerry have to answer for why Kerry would be tipping off Iran the number one sponsor of terror, while stabbing one of our greatest partners, Israel, in the back. Alaskan Senator Dan Sullivan called for Kerry's resignation on the Senate floor Monday.
18: If this is true, I certainly hope other members of this body, Democrats and Republicans, will join me in calling for the resignation
21: of John Kerry. Enough is enough. Meanwhile, New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik tweeted, This is a criminal act and John Kerry must be immediately investigated and prosecuted. President Biden must immediately remove John Kerry from any government or advisory position. According to the Washington Examiner, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo led the calls for Kerry to be investigated. Last Wednesday at a press conference on Capitol Hill, Pompeo slammed Kerry for his inappropriate meetings with Iran.
13: I'm actually doing this publicly and openly. Unlike Secretary Kerry, who had private conversations with the Iranians that was trying to undermine
21: our administration. Pompeo said the tape proves what he has said for years, that Kerry informed the Iranians of Israeli operations.
0: President Biden is expected to sign an executive order today to boost the minimum wage for federal contractors, raising it from about $11 to $15 an hour starting in January. Biden's order also sets a 2024 deadline for government agencies to raise tipped employees' wages to $15 an hour, too. It also includes a cost of living increase year by year starting 2022. The Biden administration defends the move by reasoning it would let employers hold on to top talent, lower the cost of recruitment, and increase productivity. And they say it won't cost the government or taxpayers. A report from the Congressional Budget Office estimates it could lift 1 million people out of poverty, but at the same time estimates another 1.5 million would be put out of work. As Congress is in the process of negotiating details of an infrastructure package, Biden sets his eye on another goal, another trillion dollar package to fund what some call human infrastructure. But it comes with another tax hike proposal this time on individuals.
11: The White House is expected to unveil a new spending package Wednesday, an estimated $1.8 trillion to fund things like national childcare, paid family leave, unemployment insurance and healthcare, and free community college. To pay for it, Biden's proposing to double the capital gains tax. A capital gains tax is a tax on the profit earned from investments such as stocks and property. Right now investors pay nearly 24 percent on their long-term profits and Biden's proposal would nearly double that tax rate to nearly 40 percent, the highest in at least 65 years and among the highest in the world.
9: Uh, A lot of folks are going to focus on the federal rate of 39.6 percent but when you include uh, the state and local capital gains rates Uh, We're looking at average capital gains rates topping out uh, north of 48%. For example, in California, it tops out at 56.7%. Over half uh, for the capital gains rate alone.
11: By raising the capital gains tax, Biden's goal is to increase federal revenue to pay for these big spending packages. But there are other factors that could lead to this not playing out as planned.
9: Because uh, these households who will be facing this higher tax can decide whether or not they realize their gains and pay this tax a lot of them are going to decide just to hold on to the asset that has a gain in the hope that that rate goes down in the future and that means depriving
14: the government of revenue
11: watson says they estimate this change could cost the federal government upwards of 120 billion dollars over 10 years and it could cause americans to invest in foreign markets which would make america less competitive The Biden administration defends the tax hike by pointing out that only a small number of households will be impacted by the increase. But some critics argue on the matter of principle. Republican Representative Kevin Brady told Fox Business, it's the definition of socialism when the government has more control over your assets than you do. This newly proposed tax hike faces tough odds becoming a reality since many Republicans oppose tax increases. So just like Biden's infrastructure plan, this new spending and tax plan faces tough negotiation talks in the months ahead. Reporting in Washington, DC, Melina Weisscup and TD news.
1: Interesting. So if you have homes or any investments, whatever gains you have, you'll have to pay over 50% to the government. Sounds like a stellar plan. Sounds like a fast track to send everybody to the poor house. Fast track to minimizing jobs. Fast track to people investing overseas. Fast track to everyone sucking off that teat of the federal government. So spend, spend, spend. Because we're not in debt enough. Smart ass cities, right? That's what they're pushing. They want this to happen so bad. Now, A former Obama advisor was charged with stealing over $200,000. Did you guys hear about that? I have a clip for that one too. It's quite fascinating how all this is coming out. Meanwhile, we have a faux administration raping every citizen of any dollar that they make and forcing them to abide or get hurt. Either that be financially, physically, or just canceled. Yes, indeed. Distractions, distractions, distractions from what's really, really happening. Here we go. The White
10: House says attendance will be much lower than normal because of the pandemic. President
22: Biden is set to give his first speech to a joint session of Congress Wednesday. The press secretary says his major policy announcement will be the American Families Plan.
5: He will also use the speech as an opportunity to talk about many of his other priorities, including police reform, immigration, gun safety, his ongoing work to get the pandemic under control, and to putting Americans back to work.
22: Only about 200 lawmakers received tickets to attend, much smaller than normal. A reporter asked the press secretary if there will be a designated survivor in case something happens.
5: There does not need to be a designated survivor because the cabinet will be watching Uh, from their offices or home, um, but they will not be joining him for the speech.
22: The Constitution Center says the designated survivor tradition dates back to the Cold War. Usually, one top official is chosen not to attend a joint session of Congress. If something happens, they can then take over. And Republican senators who plan to attend the speech are voicing skepticism about Biden's approach.
7: He's a modest man. But based on his record, he's got much to be modest about. He clearly believes that he can tax, spend, and regulate our
22: country into prosperity. Senator Mike Braun says there's been a lot of talk about unity and getting Republicans involved, but he wants to see if there's something more tangible.
6: But when it comes to COVID relief, uh, there wasn't much of anything in there that we would have been interested in, other than the relief itself. It was much broader. Likewise, on the infrastructure uh, discussion, it
22: looks like it's that same approach. So, Republican leader Mitch McConnell says Biden ran as a moderate, but he can't think of anything Biden's done so far that indicates some degree of moderation.
20: Uh, so bait and switch strikes me as the best way to describe the Biden administration, at least so far.
22: Senator Tim Scott will give the Republican response to the president's speech.
10: Four counties in Texas make disaster declarations due to the immigration crisis. They say their residents are at imminent risk and they don't have the resources to contain the threat. Goliad is one of four Texas counties to declare a disaster. Their declaration reads, the ongoing border crisis has resulted in thousands of illegal aliens invading South Texas and overwhelming our local, state, and federal law enforcement. Kinney County also declared a disaster. Brad Coe is the county sheriff there. He told the Epic Times he only has six full-time deputies and too much territory to cover. He says, my guys have been in more pursuits in the past year than most police officers will do in a lifetime. We're catching more and more every day. We file charges, then we have to let them go because our jails are full. Goliath County Sheriff Roy Boyd says things had been coming under control during the last administration. He says that came to a real fast end, and it's the Wild West on steroids. Additional problems are coming in with the immigrants. According to Customs and Border Patrol statistics, seizures of drugs and guns is skyrocketing, especially fentanyl. And another MS-13 gang member was caught crossing the border with immigrants in Arizona. The Biden administration responds to the new developments by rolling back more Trump-era policies. It now prohibits Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, Look or ICE agents, boats. from making arrests.
1: Look at all those boats. No one's touching them. It's okay. It's totally okay. Let's go to the arrest before we move on to our designated survivor understanding. Let's see. Where is it? Come on. Is it... Let me see. No. Well... It seems like we're not going to find it. Let's see. Nope, we're not going to find it. That's okay. That's okay. We all know how corrupt they are. Just another advisor getting caught funneling and pocketing their money. So there was this special about four years ago during the Obama admin, um, you know, talking about what it's like being the U.S. government's designated survivor, something that the Biden administration had not nominated. And that's a question um that's a question that many people should have why is it that there isn't a designated survivor well here's what it's like to be one there are times
19: when we make history and there are times when history makes us
17: so what is it like to be that mysteriously missing cabinet member we welcome you as we gather which year their strategic absence from the state of the union is announced on air this year
13: it is Anthony Fox.
17: secretary of interior ken salazar that is hud secretary sean donovan and of course 1997 tonight's designated survivor was you That's correct dan glickman he is neither a name nor a face you would easily recognize just ask this child given the task of introducing him at an event.
15: Secretary of Mr.
17: Dan Glickman. Dan Glickman. (laughs) And yet, had things gone horribly wrong on the evening of February 4th, 1997, today we might be teaching school kids about the fortitude and wisdom of President Glickman.
6: The Secret Service called and said they wanted to come over and talk to me.
17: It was the start of Bill Clinton's second term, his first day of the union since re-election.
6: President of the United States.
17: In that more relaxed bygone era before the September 11th attacks.
6: This year it is the agriculture secretary, Dan Lickman. I got the feeling they went with the very important departments, like the agriculture department, <laughs> <laughs> and um, You're so, being
17: facetious, but were you a tad
6: insulted? Uh, no, because I figured that uh, it would be a nice thing to put on my resume. and. God forbid, if it were to happen, you know, I mean, i have man. to call my mother and father and say, oh, your son's the president. So uh, I didn't have a lot of preparation for it. Uh, I had very little background uh, as to they what would They didn't give happen. you
17: briefing books? They didn't no. give you a national security briefing, no. let you know? Glickman was allowed to choose any destination outside of Washington, D.C. So he picked his daughter's Manhattan apartment, where he traveled in unfamiliar presidential style with a security detail and even a small motorcade.
6: I flew up on Air Force airplanes and there was a a policy person, and the uh, military person, I presume, with the nuclear code, and a physician. And all these people sat with you at your daughter's apartment? Well, they stayed downstairs. Uh, I went up to her apartment and we watched President Clinton. My fellow Americans, the state of our union is strong. Were you nervous? Were you tense? Not particularly. I think that I felt like it's going to be okay. Nobody's going to do anything.
17: Of course, that nonchalance vanished forever on September 11th.
6: Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack.
17: The military is responding by putting its forces around the world on the highest state of alert. The government did not know if more attacks were coming and where. Gail Norton, George W. Bush's Secretary of the Interior, was one of a handful of high-ranking officials sent to secret locations.
1: We went to a
17: secure, undisclosed location. I know you can't tell me exactly where you were, but can you sort of describe what the conditions were? The shampoo had curdled, the deodorant smelled bad because it was all so old. It was clear when you got there that it hadn't been used in a while. It had not been used. Four months later, she was pressed into duty as the first State of the Union designated survivor after nine eleven.
6: As we gather tonight, our nation is at war, our economy is in recession, and the civilized world faces unprecedented dangers.
17: Because we had seen what happened with 9-11, it was much more a real concern than it had ever been before. People took it more seriously. There's always that nagging doubt in the back of your mind, saying, "But gosh, maybe
8: something could happen.
17: Norton even prepared her possible speech to the American people. I didn't write anything on paper, but I certainly thought about it. At least along with the stress, apparently there are some perks. According to 2004 designated staffer Alex Vogel, yes, there are staffers in those bunkers too. It was the top-notch cuisine.
12: I was pleasantly surprised that we were very well fed. Um, I think we had steak uh, and lobster and red wine,
6: uh, which was great. They didn't want us to go hungry in the event of an apocalypse, uh, which was somewhat reassuring.
17: But that said, Andrew Card, chief of staff for President Bush, says cabinet members weren't exactly clamoring for the job of designated survivor, preferring the airtime and access at the State of the Union.
11: We had people here
6: as early as 8.15 this morning staking out seats on the aisle.
19: There were funny stories about, please, no, please don't pick me, isn't it? It's, it's not my turn, can somebody else do it?
6: Did
17: your daughter, I mean, she obviously knew you were the designated survivor. Was she aware of? She called every one of her friends. She did? Yeah. I... As for developing an agenda for a sudden presidency, Fortunately, none of the designated survivors thus far have had to worry much about that. In fact, Dan Glickman spent more time that night worrying how to get home.
6: I remember one of the agents called me. They said, Mr. Glickman, the mission is terminated. Then I said, well, why don't you all go home because I'll take my daughter to dinner. And we get out of the restaurant and there's a giant sleet storm. We couldn't get a cab.
17: For an instant, the hand of history had raised him from relative anonymity to the cusp of greatness, and then gently but firmly put him back down.
21: We
6: waited and waited and waited, and we walked 10 blocks in the rain and the sleet back to her apartment. And three hours before, I was probably the most powerful man on the (laughs) face of the earth, and I couldn't even get a cab. It's a great story about life, to be honest with you. You can fall just as fast as you go up.
1: Hmm. So there won't be a designated survivor for Biden. That's curious, isn't it? I think that's very curious. And what is more curious is why that question was asked. Nobody really asked that question when President Trump went up. Did they have... As, did they ask him? Did they? Did they? Did they say, um, "Hey, who's your designated survivor"? Did they? No, they didn't. But here is why ABC had created that clip, and it's important that um, you realize why. Here is a uh, the official trailer for a movie that um was created around that notion just so you guys understand how important that is the whole designated survivor thing
20: hello hi Daddy. who is this
21: your daughter no
20: that's not possible my daughter's asleep and i know that because i kissed her good night almost two hours ago
21: when are you and mommy coming home
19: there are times when we make history it
20: doesn't you're gonna be asleep by then right
19: and there are times when history makes us good night daddy good night little p Hmm. to ensure you that the
22: same american dream shared by our fathers our mother
20: it's weird yeah ours just went black too secretary you need to put the phone down mike what the hell is going on i said put the phone down Mike, please, just tell us what you know. Capital's been attacked. Congress. Captain. Eagle is gone. Sir, you are now the president of the United States.
4: This is the most devastating attack on our country since the 11. Can
3: you claim your responsibility? Not yet. Guy's never been elected to anything.
20: Did you know President
23: Richmond fired him this morning? Now he's the president.
20: Maybe he'll realize he has no business running the country. We're in a state of war. Tom Kirkman is not going to get us through this. What the hell am I doing here? I'm not the guy for this. Is Dad scared? Dad's not scared of anything. Do you really believe I should step down? I do. You may be right. But for now, I'm all you got. The world thinks it can test us right now. What do you want me to do, General? Declare war? There are different ways to show force. We are going to do this my way. If it doesn't work, we'll try yours. Still on my side. I always on your side, Mr. President. Whoever did
17: this is just getting started.
8: Mr. President, you need to be stronger
20: than you've ever been before. Mr. President, you're live. Five i do solemnly swear that i will faithfully execute the office of the president of the united states so help me god
1: so that's how important that position is and they're not designating anyone so if anything was to happen that would mean that um we'd be in utter chaos unless you know they suddenly say oh guess what We hit Obama in a basement, or Hillary in a basement, or poof, here we go. I mean, that's pretty weird, right? Why wouldn't there be a designated survivor? I mean, that sounds so bizarre. You would think that your country's uh, national security comes first. And you know what's interesting is I want to know who got a ticket to go. You know, did Pelosi go? No. Did any of the cabinet members go? No. Is Kamala going? I don't know. We have to see who the designated survivor is. Because Jen Psaki said there isn't any. So do we take that to face value? Because if there isn't any, we're going to be in full chaos. So today is the 28th of April, two days before the 100 days are up. Pretty interesting timing, I should say. Very interesting timing. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm really just gonna leave it at that. In other news, before we get to the border, more fake news has come out of Politico. They made false claims about a black congressman. Uh, Talk about racist, maybe? Take a listen to this.
12: Everybody likes to be the first at something, and everybody likes to write about the first person to become something. Some journalists do anyway, and it seems like Politico got a little excited and ahead of themselves for getting to do their research. In a recent article about Florida Congressman Byron Donald's Politico writers headlined this, quote, Congressman Donald's is Florida's first black Republican in Congress. But of course, this is not true, and you could find this out yourself with a simple Google search. It'll show you that. We did some searching ourselves, typed in first black Republican elected to Congress from Florida, and this came up, Josiah Thomas Walls overcoming deep political divisions in the- Hey,
1: you guys, we did a show about this, didn't we? I said when they start talking about this, it's gonna be important where I showed you all firsts of uh, these black congressmen and senators, right? When we talked about that, I think it was over a year ago.
12: Florida Republican Party, Mr. Walls became the first African-American to serve his state in Congress. In fact. Uh, across the south after reconstruction there were a lot of black republicans in congress in states like florida and georgia and other places now this mistake was called out by florida-based journalist javier manjaras and politico later changed their headline to read quote meet byron donald's florida's third ever black republican in congress they forgot about alan west a prominent name in politics over the last couple of decades politico just skipped right over him the truth is Florida really wasn't ready for Congressman West. He was an American first candidate and far too radical for the old Republican Guard of Florida, at least back then. They're willing to tolerate this stuff now, but a little late on the train. Let's welcome in Texas GOP chairman, former Florida Congressman Alan West, a retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel and the CEO and President of the Hope Center. We miss you, Colonel West, down here in Florida. I know as your former constituent, we miss you.
20: Well, thanks so much, John. It's pretty interesting. Yesterday, I got a lot of uh, text messages from friends down in Florida. And they basically said, you've been erased from history. (laughs) And so I read that uh, headline, I thought it was pretty funny. But again, it would have just taken a, a very simple Google search. And the fact that you had three young black journalists that wrote that piece and didn't even take the time to do their due diligence. But then think again, the Republican Party of Texas that I'm honored to be the chairman of was founded on Independence Day of 1867 by 150 black men down in Houston. And I'm not even the first black chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. Uh, the first black chairman was Norris Cooney, who was a Galveston businessman uh, back in at the uh, 1884 to about 1898. So I just would wish that the progressive socialist left would study history instead of trying to rewrite history or revise history.
12: Yeah, that's what happens when you cancel history, you cancel the parts you would want to remember, uh, you know, and about the importance of the Republican Party when it comes to, you know, abolition and all that stuff. They, they just don't want to remember. And, you know, back to my point before, you know, it wasn't that long ago, the, Re- the Florida Republican Party, they didn't even support Ron DeSantis during the governor's primary of 2018. He was not their chosen candidate. It was not until President Trump actually backed Ron DeSantis uh, that they came around. Uh, They were backing the Agricultural Commission, a guy named Adam Putman. And this is what I was saying. You know, Colonel West, when you were the congressman down here in Florida, I remember going to your town halls and you were warning your constituents about the danger that China poses. And again, this was 10, 12 years ago. Uh, You were talking about the excess, uh, the the concerns about uh, keeping our interest rates low and this nonstop printing of uh, federal dollars that doesn't seem to be tied to anything. You've been talking about this stuff a long time. Is it vindicating for you at all to, to know that this stuff is now in vogue in the Republican Party?
20: Well, it, you know, if I was all about myself, it would be vindicating. But I'm really concerned because leaders are supposed to be prescient. Leaders are supposed to have uh, strategic vision. And that's why I was trying to emanate. Joe, when I was a member of Congress, and of course, Republicans were the ones that redistricted me out. And even though we showed them the issue of voter fraud back in 2012, still nothing was done by the uh, then Attorney General Pam Bondi and the Governor Rick Scott. But, you know, you continue to press on and you continue to stand up and fight for constitutional conservative principles and uh, all that is right to restore America to what it's supposed to be. And I'm just honored to still be in a position where I can be in this
12: incredible ideological fight for our future. Well, you keep it consistent, as always. And uh, Texas picking up a couple congressional seats. I know you got a job right now, but uh, maybe one of those new seats could be yours someday. Congressman West, great to see you, sir.
1: And speaking of Texas, uh, the, uh, well, AG Paxson had a live, uh, you know, uh, press conference at the border. And I think it's important that we watch and listen to what he has to say. Um, great AG, by the way. And um, this is gonna be quite interesting. Take a listen.
13: Did yesterday along the border and really share some of the stories of uh, of, the, uh, of the human trafficking that's going on. So stay tuned for that to our YouTube channel, Facebook, obviously. And we are coming up on Apple Plus, Hulu, uh, Roku, and of course, all the other streaming platforms that we continue to expand on to keep the uh, voices out. I'm gonna go ahead and turn this over to the uh, podium mic so we can catch any of the introductions. So stick around, share this broadcast. Coming up, Ken Paxton and local sheriffs.
16: Thank you all for being here. It's a beautiful day in Texas, but it's certainly not a perfect day in Texas because we have a border crisis. And I've certainly seen evidence, both visiting facilities in San Antonio, Midland, and also here and seeing what's going on with these children. And then also spending a lot of time with customs and border patrol and and, and realizing what they're up against. First of all, I wanna say how much I appreciate them for, for the work that they're doing, for the work that they're doing for the country to protect us. They are doing an amazing job under intense pressure and under conditions that they shouldn't have to deal with so I, I appreciate the time i've had to spend with them and i can't tell you how much i appreciate the work that they do that the fact that they risk their lives and i also want to thank our state police uh many of them who are behind me and my staff and i particularly want to thank those who took us out today uh major john lopez was our our captain And I wanna, I just appreciate these guys going up and down this river and and risking their lives. And again, trying to protect our our state when they're also limited by what federal law and what the federal government is doing. Uh, I'm here to see what's going on and call attention to Texans and to the American people that this is a problem and that the way that we are dealing with it is not working. And the very things that worked so well during the last few years that, that curtailed this have been totally taken away and now we're under tremendous pressure i've also had the opportunity while i'm down here to meet with different sheriffs uh, from texas uh, there's nothing better than a texas sheriff and uh, i think we have a few of those here as well today and i would love for uh, a couple of those guys to come up and i don't know what order you guys are coming up but they have they're on the ground these guys are dealing with this issue of illegal immigration and what's happening over the last several months every single day and I applaud them for their efforts, but they're being overwhelmed, and, and I'd like a, for a few of them to tell their story. So, Thank you. Thank you, absolutely. Hello. Uh,
24: my name is uh, Micah Harmon. I'm a sheriff in Lavaca County. Uh, Lavaca County is not a border county. We're 275 miles inland from the border, but we're dealing with the same issues that are being dealt with down here on the border inland. Uh, we've had... <clears throat> We've had numerous pursuits and bailouts uh two that come to mind are one where uh there was a pursuit and uh the vehicle crashed into a tree it caught on fire it had approximately 18 to 20 individuals in it in the pickup uh, we there was numerous numerous injuries and that depletes all our resources we had our county is, is only 19,000 people, and so it depletes our resources. We had to deploy all of our EMS people, our fire departments, uh, all of our law enforcement, and it's, just a, it's a burden and it's a strain on, on our community uh, having to deal with this. Uh, it's not just a border problem. It, it's not just a Texas problem. It's an America problem. And we have to force the federal government to act on this. We appreciate General Paxton with the lawsuits that that he has filed. We have to get the attention of the federal government to step up, allow their border patrolmen to do their job. And let's, let's stop this crisis down here at the border. Thank you all very much.
6: What
19: are you all doing? My name is Pinky Gonzalez. I'm the sheriff of Refugio County. Refugio County is approximately 180 miles north of here. Uh, it's a little rural town with a population under 8,000. Uh, but we have just been overwhelmed. What, what I'm holding here are call slips that have gone through the sheriff's office since January. Lots of call slips on, on document documented uh, immigrants and chases. And uh, it, it, it just been a, a burden to our town and to our people. Uh, we have had uh, uh, these human smugglers go through our town going 80 miles an hour on 35 mile speed zones. I mean, this is serious stuff. They have no regards for property or, or, or human lives. I mean, at all, uh, we have just been overwhelmed overwhelmed with these, uh, with these cases. I, I have 13 deputies uh, working around the clock. And sometimes I have to call those that are off to come help us. I don't know how many call slips I've got here. I've got plenty of them. Each call slip requires us to work anywhere from eight to 12 hours on, on, on one case, on one case. Uh, depleting our resources we're, we're a rural town we, we've got a limited budget and, and we're just overwhelmed with this we, we have never seen an, anything like this I mean we have dealt with with uh with these illegals coming across uh coming through our town uh, now they're stealing vehicles we, we we just got through uh working a case where uh, uh, we had a, a, a 20 of them bailed out the, these bailouts have increased to their tens. to 20 15. And uh, we just don't have enough officers. If it wasn't for these brothers and sisters back here behind us in green, I, I don't know what we do. You know, we, we team up together and just try to do our darnest, you know, but we, you know, they're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed, but we, I have calculated over 3000 man hours, deputy man hours since January, not counting DPS, not counting or border patrols or EMS uh it, it's got to stop it, it really does it, it, it just has to stop and and i appreciate general paxton uh coming here and supporting supporting his uh his, his great state of texas and, and and the people uh and and we do like uh, sheriff harman said we we i think our, our our uh presidential administration up in washington needs to go to plan b or do something we we just can't continue we we just cannot
1: Dude, he's so emotional right now. Can you imagine the overwhelming stress of having un, these criminals having unfettered access to these small communities that don't have the manpower to keep their community safe? They don't. People have children there. People have their livelihoods there. And they and the, and the cartels can come in and sweep them all out. And it's like nobody cares. Feel, I can feel that pain His voice is trembling. He just can't believe what's happening. And this is a good thing, in a sense that we need a lot more people to be on the side of America first, as opposed to this faux administration with no designated survivor.
19: Now, thank you very much. Now
7: we have Jackson County Sheriff A.J. Lauderback.
23: I'm Sheriff Lauderback from Jackson County. I've been down here four times in the last... uh, two months. I appreciate, uh, first off, a commitment from General Paxton, um, and I certainly want to thank the men and women of the U.S. Border Patrol, uh, the men and women of the Texas Department of Public Safety. Uh, These folks, uh, the sheriffs here in Texas, the border sheriffs, the the nationwide issue that we're facing here uh, over these policies uh, from the Biden administration. So Texas is a unique place. Uh, Texas is a fantastic state, um, but we're witnessing here over and over and over and over again and again, destructive policies that are detrimental to Texans and Americans in our nation. The American people will solve this at some point in time. Our duty right now is to inform and make sure that the American people understand what's actually happened with policies that are put in place that are truly uh, harmful to this nation. Um, so I appreciate y'all's time. I appreciate uh, the, the air time for this. Um, please get this message out. As we try and bring um, this information uh, to a point here in Texas where something can be accomplished and done here to protect our citizens, uh, which is what we're trying to do. So thank you again for your time today. Again, thank you General
16: Paxton. So there's a reason that we've sued the Biden administration five times over immigration. Tremendous harm is being done to this state. Tremendous harm is being done to this nation. The cartels are being enriched, given the opportunity to smuggle drugs, given the opportunity to human traffic, given the opportunity to charge these people exorbitant costs for getting into the into our state. And we're going to do our best to force the federal government to follow the very laws that they passed and the very laws that they're supposed to follow, including President Biden, who's supposed to enforce these laws, not say that they don't matter. So I'm here to do that. We're going to continue that fight and hopefully we can begin to protect the citizens of this state and the citizens of this nation. So with that, um, I think we can open it up for a few questions. What are you mostly
14: concerned about COVID, about the migrants being
16: released or who's making money here? I'm concerned about all of this. Those are all factors that affect Texans negatively. You know, supposedly COVID was, you know, a big deal that we all shut down for. The economy shut down of the entire United States. Our state shut down. We had, we've gotten it under control. And certainly this doesn't help us as we're trying to open our economy up. It could affect jobs. It could affect health. It could cost people's lives. But then also the crime increase with the cartels having more access because, you know, look, our border patrol is tied up now with transportation, logistics, and taking care of these kids and families. There's not a, there's not as many resources to guard the border, which means that the cartels have greater access. They have greater access to bring their drugs in. And that's why these sheriffs are here because they are suffering the consequences of those policies. Did you meet with
19: any local sheriffs and- uh, Wait, let me go here first I'll come back. Kansas City or somewhere in the Midwest about the drugs coming in, if there's people that think, well, I don't live along the border, this doesn't concern me. Let's talk
8: about that, uh, because I think that's important.
16: Now, there's no doubt. I mean, this is just a launching point. You know, they get across the river with their drugs or their whatever, whatever they're smuggling, and it it's going around the country. So Americans may think this is a border problem, and certainly it is uh, most intense here, and, and it affects us maybe more, but it ultimately does affect the entire country because... COVID is also being spread past Texas borders by the fact that they're here and they're moving on to other places and people are being infected here. And then we also just have the whole issue with drugs and human tracking that will affect the entire nation. So thank you for that question. Yes, sir. Did you uh,
20: meet with any of the local sheriffs and did you invite any of them to come with you
16: today? So I don't have a list of the sheriffs we invited. We invited numerous sheriffs. Um, we admit met with some others uh, yesterday. So this isn't the whole group. I, I don't have the entire list. We can get that to you. See, do.
3: General, yeah, I
11: have a question. Um, can you talk about uh, people's private property, their private land? And I know the sheriff probably have a comment on that. I mean, ranchers. What, what's happening
15: when the smugglers come
11: in and they need a place to get the
16: people through? That is such a great question. I'm going to let you in it because you deal. You guys deal with this every day. So mm-hmm. if you don't mind, you you see it and you can speak for the sheriffs about what you see every day. Thank you.
23: Thank you for the question. Uh, it's a. Texas landowners, uh, homeowners here, imagine you wake up every day and you look at a game camera if you live in uh, any of the counties around here up and down the Texas border and you see groups between 50 to 100 that are within 50 yards of your home every day, trespassing on your property, cutting your fences. We had uh, information yesterday uh, from one Texas sheriff in a, in a uh, from Kenney County where 26 fences cut in one day, 26 fences. So imagine that's your property. Imagine that your property is trespassed every day from people from another country and live that type of life where you can't go to your barn at night. You can't uh, You can't have your kids go home from school early for fear uh, that they're gonna ha- be encountered by someone that they don't know. So imagine that and put yourself in those shoes and, and, and put yourself in that position, put your wife and your children, those positions day after day under these policies And you'll understand the frustration that Texas sheriffs have and Texas law enforcement is experiencing right now.
11: Well, what if
3: I say no to a drug smuggler? Look, it's my property. You can't
23: come on. Do you think that's a fact? How effective do you think that is? I mean, uh, I mean, these are real world problems and real world questions that that, that are affecting Texas and America from these policies. Next question.
9: I have a question. So just recently, one of the cartel leaders was captured. I know that Texas and Tamaulipas, right over there, they have a a system where if you know and have tips, you can send them in either location. I guess, what's the update or how does the state work with Tamaulipas? Because a lot of people are waiting across from Tamaulipas and this is the biggest you know, entry point. Is there any updates on that? How, how do you explain that? I
16: don't have any updates. All I know is that when, I, when I've been down here, the cooperation among the f- between the feds with border patrol customs enforcement and state police in our office is in the sheriff's has been remarkable. And I think if you interviewed every one of these guys back here, they would tell you that there's a a lot of sharing of information. There's a lot of backup because you know, we need all the resources we can get. We need to do this together. And we are doing this together despite the impediments that the federal government puts in the place of even their own people. Let's do one more question. Okay. Anybody else? No, no. Okay.
19: What about the impact it has on schools. Local schools are already packed right, with the surge of population here to state of Texas. And you add on all these kids coming across. How does that? How does that disrupt the budget? Well, public? this is
16: one of my frustrations. Is that you know we have a budget in Texas. We do it every two years. We try to figure out what our costs are going to be, and when you bring these education costs in, we're required by a Supreme Court precedent to educate these kids, and so it adds to our cost significantly because it's expensive to educate kids. And so these schools are now having to take on this responsibility that they didn't know they were going to have to fund. And it puts a lot of pressure on our school system and it puts a lot of pressure on their ability to educate the kids that are already there when they're having to bring in new kids, one that may not be fluent in English, and so they got to deal with that, but also may not be up to par on their grade level. So it it definitely siphons resources from what is already a stretch system. So anyway, do one more, and we gotta go. Any idea why local media? No, let her
6: was- ask. You already got one. What was your message to Biden and
16: Vice President Harris? He has been through this congressional
3: address tonight. His 100th day in office on Friday. They've yet to visit the border. What do you tell them?
16: directly? I would ask them to set aside the politics and please care. Please care about my state. Please care about the border states. Please care about the rest of the country. Uh, The fact that they're not coming down here, the fact that it it seems like they're trying to hide a lot of what's going on. They're very, very secret. They're not letting us know who's coming in, who's leaving. There should be more cooperation. If they're going to have this open border policy, we're going to be affected by it every day. And so I would ask them, one, follow the law. Start following the law. Go to policies that work and please care about our state because it doesn't seem like they really care right now. So thank you all very much and thank these guys for everything they've done. I really appreciate it.
1: That was great. That was great. And like we said, the hundred days are up now, right? The hundred days are coming up. And this is going to be quite interesting. Now, speaking of interesting, I do know that the New York Times actually ran their article. And um, I thought I'd share it with you guys. Um, The title is, um, hold on, let's see. Uh, Extremists find a financial lifeline on Twitch, right? QAnon adherents and other far-right influencers, wait, that's, that's the title, Extreme, extremists, So now I'm an extremist, okay. Uh, let's see, uh, extremists find a financial lifeline on Twitter. Um, let me read it to you guys that are listening to this on, on podcast, this is quite interesting. Um, oh, I can't zoom in. So they start with me and they spelled my name wrong. Can't even do his research a podcaster who fought to overturn the 2020 election, recently rallied against mass mandates to her 4,000 fans in a live broadcast. That's just on Twitch, Kellen, just on Twitch. Because I'm not banned on any other platform, but Twitter. Um, He said on another day, she grew emotional while thanking them for sending her $84,000. That was the car, my GoFundMe. He failed to mention that I had nothing to do with that. Um, and that it was surprising. Then he called out Millie Weaver. So there's Tory and Millie, and then Red Pill 78. Now that's not someone I want to be associated with. So they just attacked us too from the get-go, right? From the get-go, and then they had someone say it's a multi-billion-dollar business, uh, monetizes propaganda. When Mr. Limbaugh shared more controversial. Twitch monetizes the propaganda, said Megan Squire. She said it was as though the listeners of conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh who died in February were donating in real time and chipping in greater sums wherever Mr. Limbaugh shared more controversial ideas. Oh, dear. So here they're they're making claims of, uh, you know, how Twitch is monetizing and how they can support and bits and oh, look. Um, she tallied that I must have, she tallied at least 26,000 in subscription. Yeah. I'm not making that much. (laughs) I wish. And about 5,000 in bit donations before Twitch took its cut, which Twitch takes 70% because people need to understand how, um, massive the cost is to stream data. And it's like, that's not, this is how much I've made in like a year. Okay. This 26,000 in a whole year and that's before they take their cut so you know and i don't mind it that helps me fund my research fund my websites so it's not even a lot of money over a year i don't know why they make it sound crazy but they did get enrique tario kicked off when they asked because he is considered an extremist but they said QAnon is not a problem and look they just even put on <laughs> oh look she you know, has her O turning into a Q sometimes and says the slogan, where we go one, we go all. Yes, because when we are one voice, damn, you guys scattered like cockroaches, just like they did in that Arizona school board meeting. So she had encouraged her uh, viewers to find legal avenues to throw Ohio legislators out of office because, yes, that's what we do. So they've been trying to um, put it together. Uh, it was all about me. They just threw in other people just to, you know, add to it. It was the most atrocious thing I have ever seen. It was just a hit piece for Tory, but they had nothing to hit piece about. That was so disgusting. It was horrific. And to associate me with Right Bill 78, come on, stop, stop. So, um, in fact, you know, this is a, uh, this is a, this was just a hit piece. And you saw it started me, Millie, and then they, threw in him, that that um, red pill guy, and then they talked about Enrique, right? And they really tried to make me look bad and put half information in there. It was pretty interesting. They, they hated the fact that they had nothing. What are they gonna say? I'm not saying anything wrong, and I don't advocate Anything but using the laws. And what they don't like is people waking up. Ideas are more dangerous than actions, right? Uh, but maybe because these ideas give people the opportunity to take action. So maybe we should sue them on calling me an extremist. I don't see how uh, someone is an extremist when they're telling people to take power back. Did he quote me on anything? Talked about Baked Alaska and Enrique Tario and Pro- Did he just align me with them? That was so bizarre. Damn, he must have been really butthurt. But he was very careful. There's nothing to really sue about except for the fact that he put out misinformation. And Twitch kind of said, there's no problem with Q. It's not a terrorist thing. So but to associate me with people that I shouldn't be associated with, that's kind of a stretch. So hopefully their article, like I told them, uh, you know... (laughs) Brings me more listeners because this is how we win. And this is how it goes. Uh, we win. End of story. And if I was doing anything wrong, I would have been kicked off a long, 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 long time ago. So on that note, I think um I'm gonna have to terminate on the end of YouTube because they're gonna hit me with another strike if I um, you know, play a video. But I think the most important part here is hey, um, New York Times, I'm going to close with this uh, video um, because it's important, because here's the problem. You can't cancel truth. You can't cancel truth. And truth is all we're dishing here. And people don't like truth because it kills their narrative. So let's end it with that. For those of you on YouTube, um, because apparently I'm able to stream a little bit And I know you guys are on there. Um, I'm going to be disconnecting that so I don't get hit. And uh, we're going to listen to uh, Tom McDonald. And then we're going to move on to rating our favorite DJ in Nevada, DJ Seth. So, everyone, God bless. Have a wonderful evening. And I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place.
8: It can't be cancelled, there's no way that you can stop me. I'm fully independent, there's no label who can drop me. Y'all been starting rumors, let me help you with some. Yo. He's a
17: racist, he's a sexist, he's
8: love with Donald Y'all can't cancel me, my life is scandal free. There ain't no sponsors taking losses, cause the brand is me. My hands are clean, my family and my fans agree. Y'all can't cancel me for facts because you're mad and weak. Go ahead and tell the world I'm ugly and racist. I braid my hair and I don't care about cultural appropriation. I moved to the ghetto, lived in the ghetto. There's no Caucasians. And still I loved every single one of my neighbors. I was a man saying I'm clickbait. If he gonna use this face to get clicks on his page, y'all hypocrites up me. But I ain't
3: tripping about these bullies. It ain't sixth grade. Go ahead and diss me trying to sell a couple mixed tapes.